Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. You are listening to Any Given Sunday, a part of the Dead End Podcast Network. Please subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, and all other podcasting services. Please make sure you check out Dead End Hip Hop, Dead End Sports, Dead End Gaming, Is the Mic Still On, Chris Platt's Strictly Hip Hop and Hoops Talk, and a host of other shows on our podcast network. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to Any Given Sunday for Sunday, March 8th, 2020. I am your host, Manny Brown. What's up, everybody? Hopefully you guys had a happy, safe, blessed week. As always, make sure you follow us on Twitter, AGS Pod on Instagram, AGS Podcast, Facebook, Any Given Sunday. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Manuel Brown on Instagram, Manuel Brown, Snapchat, Manny Brown, or Manny Bro 15, sorry. And uh, on Facebook, of course, Manuel Brown, my full government name out there. Um, I'm back with another episode of the podcast this week uh, with my guest this week is someone who I've been trying to get on the show for a while. We've been kind of trying to figure that out. She's a very busy woman, so she's blessed us with her time today. I'm really excited about that. Hopefully you guys get to enjoy this conversation. Uh, Erica Fernandez, she is at Curls and Sports on Twitter. Make sure you follow her. She's blessing us with an, with an appearance on the show. Erica, welcome to Any Given Sunday. What's good? Thank you so much, Manny, for having me on. How's it going? It's going good. It's going great. Uh, trying to, um, you know, wake up a little bit because, you know, we were just talking offline about how we both <laughs> yeah. loathe and despise uh, daylight savings. What's good with you? Hopefully it's not affecting yeah. you too much. No, not at all. We changed the class last night and we're like, all right, let's just go to sleep. And thankfully it hasn't affected <laughs> us too much. But growing up, this always messed me up. Yes, yes. At least a couple it, Right. Yeah. No. The, the the and the spring one is always harder than than in the fall. Like the fall is like okay. It, it, it is. You know, oh, it, it comes at the right time. You get that extra hour. In the spring, it's just like really we got to do this again. And now we're losing an hour. Yeah. No, I get it. I, I totally get it. Exactly. I just want this country to get rid of it because I don't see a point to it personally. But whatever. Well, they are. Well, they are. There is. There is talks about getting rid of it. There has been like legislation about getting rid of it. I know California is one of the states that's like, yeah, we're not doing this anymore. Like, let's let's just end it <laughs> right now. So, it is. It is growing some momentum. So, there's hope out there for everybody else who feels our pain and hates daylight savings. Yeah, it's so no. dumb, but whatever. It, it's it dumb. Is. I mean, I guess it, I guess it was good back in like 1860, but now it's like, yeah, no. Let's 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 get with the program here. Um, right. As always, every time I have a, a, a first time guest on the show, I like uh, to give them the floor to introduce themselves, tell the audience a little bit about themselves okay. in case that they may not be familiar with you, maybe not be familiar with your work. So just take this time Perfect. to tell the audience who Erica Fernandez is. Yeah, well, I um, obviously my name is Erica Fernandez. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've been working in sports. Right. I'm like, let me at least say my name. Uh, <laughs> I've been working in sports. I've been working in sports for almost seven years now. And the journey has been interesting from working from um, little blogs to working with big name blogs, to owning a blog, to even launching 
thinking about launching a perspective podcast and doing on-air stuff, um, YouTube videos. Um, I really got started in Twitter. Well, sorry, on Twitter. Um, I just started to develop a following on there, tweeting live games. I didn't really know what direction it was going and not a lot of people did either. So mm-hmm. I'm happy I got on Twitter when it was the right time to start building an audience. So I know that a lot of people out there are like, oh, use your social media to to get money, to you could you could start a following, but not a lot of people know exactly what that means. And I feel like there should be much more education about that. Um, I also worked with The Zone and I got to really develop more of my social media skills. So learning at what time to post, what to post, um, hashtag usage, every little thing. Like I learned a lot while working there. Mm-hmm. And born and raised in New York all day. <laughs> for sure, for sure, for sure. Shout out to Brooklyn, shout out to Queens, Bronx, Staten, everywhere, all the boroughs. Shout out to everybody in New York, of course, of course. The New York connection right, right. here, of course. Um, it is. <laughs> so, of course, of course, of course. Uh, before we get started, though, officially, um, you are engaged. You, you missed a detail that. I so am. I just want to say from everybody oh, here at any given Sunday, <laughs> congratulations on your engagement. Thank you, thank uh, you. Yes, yes, yes. So if you're on Twitter, you follow her, uh, just tweet at her. Congrats, of course. Um, oh, thank so you so why, much. Yeah. No, I, no doubt. No yeah, doubt. I don't really like, to, I don't talk about it too much because I feel like it's, I see how other people are and they're just excessive because that's all they talk about. So I'm just like, all right. Nah, sure. uh, listen, you found the boo. <laughs> you found somebody that loves you and tolerates you. You should talk about that. I don't care. Let them hate. <laughs> Let them hate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, of course. Um, so why sports? What was the what was the thing that got you into sports? Like what was you know why did why not you know teaching? Why not nursing? Why not yeah. you know a scientist? Why sports? Why talking about sports was the thing that really kind of was your was your calling card in life? Yeah. So actually, I used to work for a big. <laughs> you're gonna understand where I'm coming from, but I used to work for a big reggaeton label, <laughs> and <laughs> I. <laughs> And I was, I really was exposed to working with artists, bringing up their brands. Um, at the time, there was not a lot of social media. I think mm-hmm. barely Facebook was the only one. And I don't think Twitter had launched itself. And I'm definitely aging myself. But that was um, my first internship in college. And then it also carried into a, a mini part-time job. But I realized that I didn't like, I didn't like the music space too much. It was too much rinse and repeat. And so is sports mm-hmm. and so is any job. But I guess I just didn't like the industry and at least I gave it a test because I thought I really wanted to work in music. And thankfully, that's not the case anymore. Um, but yeah, like this is the guy who made like that song, Reggaeton Latino. Um, the mm-hmm. name, his name is Boy Wonder. So I'm sure that you're familiar with the song. Yeah, I'm familiar. Yeah. But um, yeah, but um, I discovered that I don't want to do it anymore. So my concentration from from college was also with journalism. So I said, you know what? I've always wanted to do broadcast. Um, haven't got the opportunity to explore that option yet because I know you have to work your way up. And um, I was like, you know what? Let me see what blogs I can get onto and just start writing about sports. And this was back in 2011. And at the same time, a good friend of mine was like, I think you should get on Twitter because a lot of these trending, trending topics are on there and Twitter's going to blow up and Twitter's going to be big and look where it is now. 
So thankfully, I was smart enough to listen to my friend, and he was like, just come up with a catchy name, and that's where I was sitting on my couch, literally with a legal pad, just thinking of what names, what handles, what, what's something that I'll be able to identify myself with, and something that people will be able to quickly be like, oh, I know who she is, or, mm-hmm. you know, at least, like, it's quick. Nothing that's too complicated. So that's where the name Curls and Sports was born from. So um, I started working with like a whole bunch of these sites on like FanDuel. Um, I'm sorry, not FanDuel, fan sided. That it's like little mini blogs that everyone kind of just owns at one point. And right. then I moved on and I met somebody on Twitter that she wanted to create her own blog. And the blog's name, I don't know if you ever saw it. But um, the name of the blog was geeksandcleats.com. So it was both geeky material as well as sports material. I actually she, heard of that. I, I actually did hear of that. Yeah. Did? Yeah. So yeah, I, was, I did. I was the co-owner did. of that side. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, was I didn't know that. Wow. That's cool. Okay. Yeah. Um, the reason why this site is no longer existing is because, unfortunately, my former partner, um, she had a lot. Of, she, there was, unfortunately, some family issues at the time. And she just stepped away from sports, which is fine. But um, the person who was also handling our website stuff is the owner of Black Sports Online. So he saw the falling out and he's like, hey, you're more than welcome to join the team. He's like, I see your hard work and everything. He's like, you're, why don't you work for me? And I said, you know what? Let's do it. So ever since then, I've been writing for Black Sports Online since I think this happened around 2014, 2013. And I've just been exploring sports. So he gave me a lot of opportunities. Um, I was able to find so many emails. And it's like, hey, mm. I want to write for, for the Knicks. Cool. Go find the Knicks, um, the Knicks PR email. I found it. I want to cover NFL. I want to do Comic Con. I want to do this. I want to do that. And it was just all getting it out on there on the internet. That's why I kind of get annoyed when I get random DMs from people asking me for email addresses. I'm not giving you information because everything is on the internet. I'm not going to spoon food you shit. Go look it up yourself. It's not that nice. hard. People yeah. just want an easy way out when it's literally Googling Nick's PR email, scrolling through and finding the right email. That's all it takes. So Absolutely. it's just, I, yeah. I just noticed a lot of laziness. So, um, so I've been working with Black Sports Online and then an opportunity. I'm, I'm in a group chat also called Minorities in Sports, and it's founded by a friend of mine who is more on the sports side of business. She's an awesome black woman. Um, she just knows what she's doing, especially with the, on the sports side of things with business related. And everyone in that chat is from sports agents to sports lawyers to a few former athletes. Awesome. People nice. Working, yeah. People working on partnerships and everything. I think the group chat is like 800 people deep now. And she started wow. this like, yeah, she started this about maybe three years ago, if I'm right, two or three years ago, one or the other. And that's where a friend, a good friend of mine, she posted an opportunity to work with the zone. So I said, yeah, sure. I'm like, let me apply. What, what the heck? You know? Yeah. So I applied around Mother's Day of 2018 and I got the job literally a day after my birthday in July of 2018. So awesome. <laughs> when people out there, yeah. So just a, just a piece of advice if you're applying, you just got to be super patient. Um, things happen for a reason. And when it's not your time, it's not your time. But when things are meant for you, they're meant for you. And I worked at The Zone for about a year and a half. And it's still considered a startup, in my opinion. Um, not a lot of people right. still know about it. Um, people still ask what it is. Um, they're not familiar with it, obviously, because they're just more used to the ESPNs of the world. So there's no surprise there. 
Um, but yeah, but that's how I've kind of been working in sports. And uh, just talk to me about your experience at the zone real quick. I mean, how was that? Cause I, yeah. I'm familiar with it and I think kind of, you're right. It's still it's still kind of an unknown in a lot of ways because it's still kind of yeah. just kind of bubbling right under the surface. They kind of remind me of mm-hmm. how like Bleacher was before Bleacher really blew up. Like, yeah, it's like mm-hmm. if you're like a hardcore sports fan, you kind of know what the zone is. But like for like the kind of the casual sports fans, you yeah. know, you know, like, you know your mom and dad. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. They don't really know about it. So kind of just tell me how how it was to kind of work at a startup like that. I mean, you've worked at other startups before. So but, but just kind of what was different about the zone? Yeah. And any other experience? No, well, this is yeah, well, this is completely different as opposed to um, as opposed to my own website. But this was on the big corporate scale. This was they kind of took a chance on a whole bunch of us on the team because I never had social media experience, but I had the boxing experience because that's what I covered a lot. It'll be a phone, mm-hmm. New York. So I said, you know what? Um, I'm ready to take the challenge. And my boss, like I said, took a chance on me, and he said, no, you can cover boxing. Let's make sure to just train you properly and this is where a whole bunch of my other teammates um, actually knew a little bit more than I did. And they were just awesome. They, t- they taught me um, at what time to post, what hashtag to use, um, what cover photo. If you're posting a video, no, this one, this image looks better. Um, mm-hmm. This is what the audience is looking for. So I, got, I kind of got trained to have an eye for social media. So that's why even on my own platform, I kind of, I've been able to apply that because not everything needs to go on your feed. Some stuff can go on your Instagram story. Some stuff could just not even be posted because it's not relevant. It's not going to get all the thousand likes. So we literally started with about 5,000 followers. And by the time of my departure, um, we had like more than, um, we had almost 2.2, I'm sorry, 2 million likes on Facebook. Um, Wow. I think we had, I think it was right under the 100,000 followers on Twitter. Twitter's a hard platform to grow anyway. Um, Instagram, we had over, yeah, Instagram was over 600,000 followers. So I'm really proud. And then at the same time, I got a taste of TikTok, which is just taking over. And then Mm -hmm. a taste of Snapchat, which is still kind of sort of relevant in the space. So um, it's just crazy to see how social media works on the back end scale of things where you know you have to live tweet fights it's like okay are you posting this cool i'll wait 10 minutes to post my other video but my exact title was um bilingual social media editor so anything in spanish you saw coming out of the account was 100 percent for me from every single account and yeah it was it was a huge responsibility because you just want to make sure that you're accurate there's no grammatical errors that you want to make sure that this resonates with the Mexican community, with the Puerto Rican community, with the Panamanian community, with every single person. So one of the biggest um, duties that was handed to him, this was, I I just had made a month. My boss was like, hey, any relevant cultural stuff that's coming up? And I said, well, Hispanic Heritage Month is coming up. He's like, okay, cool. He's like, do you want to handle that? And I said, sure. But I, I was just given a blank canvas. So I didn't really know what to do because this is the first time I'm really doing uh, a brief for uh, a huge cultural moment and I didn't really have any experience and as opposed to just posting about it you know on our own leisure like mm-hmm, happy mm-hmm. Francis, like, I'm so happy for blah blah you know just to take right. part of the conversation so um I was just so I was just so blown away by the opportunity and I had a good friend of mine help me out and kind of like guide me in the right direction and he's actually the head of social for ESPN boxing account and nice 
he was like, Erica, this is something that you've done before. You got this. He's like, just think about what you see in other places. And I said, okay, thanks for the advice. I appreciate you. And I was able to handle it. And then um, that also led me to do um, Black History Month. And I had so much fun doing Black History Month of 2019. I did it with my boss, who was also who was also a Black man. And we were, were like, you know, are we just going to make sure to do this because we don't want to offend anybody? Are we missing anybody? So that's, so some, that's something that we made sure to do because accounts are called out so easily like we didn't we didn't include lennox lewis right but he right. said my boss my, my boss had a really good point to that people were like why is lennox lewis not here what's going on why is he missing out and my boss was like well he's not an american black man they don't have black history Month in england and i said oh that's a good point cool no, like we already true, covered that's black, true people, that's true yeah but people are used to seeing black so we're like well and and, and the thing is that people are always going to complain about something on twitter i mean you know how exactly. it is twitter i mean yeah. you're never going to satisfy everybody you could you could literally have added every successful black athlete <laughs> ever created in life yeah. and someone will feel oppressed someone will feel offended that you didn't add the the 101st yeah. 101st famous black athlete ever because you you're mean yeah. and you're stupid and it's yeah. it's a no-win situation so yeah i get it yeah so we wanted to make sure to just keep it culturally relevant and not offend anybody so i remember we were at the time like floyd mayweather was doing um you know floyd's a controversial boxer but we still can't take away his accomplishments so my boss was like now nah, we got to make sure to include floyd in there blah 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 so we're like cool so there are lazy people i remember someone commented on the video and you could probably scroll and find it and someone <laughs> was like where's floyd why is floyd on out and i'm like if you finish the video you would see it. So we were also allowed to respond sassy to our comments, to our, to our um, followers. And okay, obviously cool. some people didn't like that, but that's a good thing. Yeah. Like we had a lot of creative freedom. And even like now the new creative um, director, I'm sorry, the new head of content, really, really fun guy. He used to work for ESPN. I didn't get to work with him briefly because obviously I was laid off, but he has such, he has such a good eye for social. So it was so much more creative for him. That's something I could always say that, you know, we weren't limited with what we could do. We were if anything encouraged, like, no, go for it. Awesome. Yeah. That, that sounds, that yeah. sounds amazing. That sounds great. Yeah, absolutely. So just let's, let's go back for a little bit. Like how, obviously you're now living in a world where social media is just, I mean, it's just everywhere. It's in every household. Yeah. It's in every person known to man. I mean, I don't, I don't know anybody who isn't on any, on any one social media platform. I'm sure there's people out there, but you know, it just feels like everybody is on yeah. something. Right. So take me back to yeah, a time like when you too, were for me, that's too private. Like you right. something if you're not on Right. Right. I mean, exactly. Like, I mean, at least Facebook, something like some sort of social media. Exactly. Site, right? I mean, I mean, mm -hmm. my mom, like my mom's on social media, like, and she doesn't even like computers <laughs> and she's on Facebook. So I'm like, it, yeah. It, yeah, so the like, only I get it. The social media my mom's on is WhatsApp and that to her is enough. <laughs> and that counts. That counts. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Because now it's absolutely. WhatsApp is yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yep. exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So, yep. so take me back a little bit. So the beginning, right. And you're getting started. Yeah. How, talk to me about how much harder that was, you know, just kind of blogging before kind of social media really blew up. I mean, you talked about Facebook was kind of theirs, Twitter, you know, was already there, yeah. was already established, you know, MySpace, of course. Mm -hmm. you know, so you had some social media oh, sites and Twitter was, yeah. And Twitter was just getting started. But talk to me about that point in your, in your career where, you know, it, it wasn't, I don't want to say easy like it is now, but yeah. You know, talk to me about that time before social media for you. Yeah, so before social media for me, I actually wonder, like, how am I going to get these applications in? Because, like, 
I remember I saw an opportunity with Daily News, and this is like at least 2010, fresh out of college. And I said, well, how are they able to see my work when I didn't even, I don't even have anything or a portfolio or anything to show them. Mm -hmm. And back then we were still printing out a lot of our reports to show our professors. Like, here you go, as opposed to now where um, I speak to like my, my future sister-in-law and she's like, no, I already emailed my assignment. I said, damn, like you got, you guys have the luxury of emailing. Back then we had no choice but to print our stuff out and make sure to hand it physically in. So that's something that I really thought about. And I think that's why I think that timing was perfect for me because that's when a lot of these platforms slowly, I'm sorry, slowly started to just peek around. And mm-hmm. I, I honestly, I don't even think I would have been able to make it had it not been for social media because I knew, I, like I speak to the the older reporters when I get a chance to talk to them in the press room, they're obviously in their 50s. And these are people that probably have to fax in their resumes at one point in their lives that they have to physically go to the building and ask ask to see if there's any openings, you know, and they got lucky and that's why they're working where they're at now. And they've held these jobs down for at least decades at this point. So I also talked to them about like, you know, how did you guys get started? And a lot of them said that they worked for their local school um, radio station. I didn't have that chance because at the time Fordham's radio, um, radio station was still being built and it wasn't as successful as it is now, which is a good thing because it's helpful for newer students that are coming onto the space. So to answer your question, I don't even think I would have been able to make it, which is probably why my mind was focused on music as opposed to <laughs> sports. The sports didn't take over for me till like 2011. I said, you know what, let's, let's give it a shot. Let's figure, let's figure this out. And that's still crazy to me, like the music part. So talk to me a little bit about that. Like what, yeah. <laughs> what was your favorite part of that? Uh, what was your like? What was like your most memorable part of just working in the reggae? I, I guess reggaeton industry, like just, what yeah. was that moment that, like, if anybody asks you, like, yeah, this is my favorite moment of doing that? I would say probably on the music video set. Um, I forget the artist's name, but oh, his, his name is Fuego. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He's had a couple of good songs. He still hasn't been able to break the mainstream, you know, the J Bobbins of the world. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Um, that was probably my favorite moment. Um, but I did a lot of the back end stuff, like transcribing their music and um speaking to like a, a couple of guys like that's why i kind of got started with my interviewing skills like i got the chance to interview the guy said um uh, that the group that is called plan b i got okay. to interview eb queen at one point so that's why i was like you know what i've done this before but let me translate it to music to sports now and what are the biggest differences that you see from being in the sports industry to being in the music industry? Like, are there any similarities, differences? What was the big, I would, mm-hmm. I, obviously similarities, you're dealing with famous people, you know, mm-hmm. money, yeah. big corporations. So, so the similarities are simple, but what are the biggest differences in your eyes? Like, what is the thing that sticks out to you when you, when you compare and contrast both industries? Um, you know, I've actually never thought of that. So I would say the first one is, women are a lot more diverse in the music space as opposed to sports space. Like I saw a mm-hmm. stat earlier, right before a call that says that women make up 4% of the, of the sports coverage, I think. But I also don't know if that's white women. So that's what I'm a little bit conflicted on. I guess right, I would right. see in the, a whole other research. Um, but yeah, I would say like there's much more diversity in sport. I'm, I'm sorry, in music as opposed to sports. But it's slowly starting to happen. Like you see how Becky Hammond is working with the Spurs and 
people are like, you know, she's going to be an NBA coach sooner than later and she's going to get her opportunity. So I think that's going to be really dope to see. There's, there's referees. There's obviously even in the NFL, like you see women. And then obviously the assistant coach for the 49ers is also a woman. Mm-hmm. And she's mm-hmm. a strong ass woman too. Um, I would say the other differences is that it's faster paced. Um, I think with music, it's a little on the slow side because you're developing an album. You're figuring out what songs to incorporate. Like I saw a lot of that back end stuff, like deciding your album cover takes forever. And I think with sports, everything is like, let's go. Like you're snapping. Right, right. Things are just getting done. Um, And I think the other one would be a difference would be like, obviously fan base. Fan bases Mm -hmm. are different. I think that, I want to say that sports fans are a little bit more passionate than music fans. Um, like you see the Knicks fans, like they're still showing up to the game despite the team not doing that great. And right. I think with selling a ticket to obviously for a concert, I think that has to be much more harder because like you're not Mark Anthony or J Lo or, or at this point, Bad Bunny where it's a household name. Like he's on Jimmy Fallon. Like people forget that like he's getting on some bigger name, mainstream stuff. Like, so he's mm-hmm. like, I feel like he's our daddy Yankee. And daddy Yankee's still like a household name between Americans and obviously Latinos. But Bad Bunny's getting into that space where he's getting recognized and people aren't noticing, but he's really taking over. So I think that's another thing. Like fan bases are, I think that sports fan bases are a little more passionate than music. And, and less fickle too, like, right? Like less fickle. Like you, yeah, I mean, you see it. You see yeah, it. Good point. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I mean, it's like, with, like when you're a Nick fan, you're a Nick fan for life. Like, you're a Laker fan, you're a Laker yes. fan for life. It's like, how many, how many, mm-hmm. I mean, and you see this across every music platform. It's like people that used to be fans of Nas, like, oh, I don't like Nas's last album. So I'm not really rocking with Nas anymore. Same. That's oh, my problem. Whack, yes. you know? And it's I like, you don't that. really see that. Mm-hmm. You don't really see that in sports. You know what I'm saying? So I would say less fickle. That's one thing that would really stick yeah, out to me. That's I think. a really good point. It's true because that's. Just, I was actually just talking about that with a friend yesterday. I listened to the Jadakiss album and I love the album. It was really good. But really dope. Both, yeah. Um, what's funny is that he's a he's still he was um well he is rather he is a zone coworker and he and I really shared a lot of similarities with music. And I'm like, yo, what did you think of the Nas album? He said, honestly, I know he's your favorite, but that was a letdown. I was like, yeah, same here. So that's a really good point that you're saying that because I agree. Yeah, no, it, it, it absolutely makes sense because it's like I have these discussions all the time mm-hmm. with people that are like, "Oh, I'm a fan of this, but oh, his albums are trash," or "Oh, la da da," or he doesn't yeah. pick good beats, mm-hmm. or like, like you don't see that in sports. It's like you're a fan of your team, and yes, your fans are critical of their teams, of course. Who who isn't? But it's it's a little bit more mm-hmm. passion based than music, where it's just kind of like, "Yeah, he's trash," or "I don't like him anymore," or "Oh, da da da." Like, you know, it's like it, it's it's just crazy how that dynamic is between the two the two spaces. It's just, it's crazy. Um. So was there was there any trepidation from you entering the sports medium, knowing the lack of I mean, I'm sure even at the time when you first entered, you could see it. I mean, it's obvious yeah. the lack of women in sports. Mm-hmm. Was, was there any trepidation on your end? Was, was there a fear that, oh, oh, my God, maybe they won't take me as seriously or whatever? Like, just talk to me about that, trying to get into the sports business, being a woman. Yeah, um, at one point, yes, definitely, because. You can't help but see color. That's why I get annoyed when people say that they don't see color because I'm just like, are you Facts. Facts. That doesn't make any sense to me. And either are you that privileged that you don't realize that color is actually very apparent. Like, no. As a, as obviously a woman of color, but I'm, a, I'm, obviously on the, I'm really, really light-skinned, but I'm slowly seeing how 
lighter skinned women have apparently an advantage. I still don't see it in sports, but um, but um, I'm trying to see how a lot of other women can kind of get into the space. Um, I still see much more black men than women of color in the sports space. And if anything, that's a good thing to me because those those men have become like allies. They're always asking questions mm-hmm. like, are you getting mm-hmm. into spaces that you need? Do you need help? So that to me is so welcoming because you don't really feel that you get that from your white counterparts. Um, not to say that that never existed because I have had really good conversations and really good advice from other white reporters. But you really see it in the press room. And I actually have a really good example of this. Um, I got invited to, so I don't know if baseball still does it, but MLB used to do this diversity and inclusion event annually. And they had it one time at City Field. And I think this was back in 2015 or 2016. It was hmm, a one-day okay. event literally from, literally from like 9 to 6. So the woman who used to head the diversity and inclusion, her name no, her name is, um, I forgot her name, but she doesn't longer works there anymore. But um, she's a black woman and she's like, hey, do you want to interview Robert Manfred? And I said, absolutely. Like, this is such a dope opportunity. Of course, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And take advantage of it. But obviously right. that's before that, you know, before all of this nonsense has been going on and he's trying to destroy the sport, but whatever, that's another, <laughs> that's another topic. <laughs> um, but She's like, all right, are you ready to go? He's um he's gonna get make his way to the press room. Huh? I said, okay, cool. So I expected when she said press room, I expected a room full of people. I didn't expect me plus three older white guys, and wow. that's what the space was. Yeah, I was very much intimidated. I wasn't sure how to find my voice at one point, and I said, Erica, you are in the space. You speak up. Use your voice. Talk. So um that was definitely one moment in my life where I was I kind of struggled to find my voice because I didn't, I didn't identify with the people in the room. Obviously Robert Manfred is another white man. So at one point I was like, we can do this. Let's go. Hurry up. So I kind of had to like talk to myself within seconds and I contributed and I asked questions, asked a few questions and the other white reporters are definitely like pushing 60. <laughs> like no <laughs> lie. They were that old. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe no, and Especially, especially in baseball. Well, no, it's, 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 I mean, it, it, not taking anything away from them because I'm sure they're all qualified individuals who worked hard in years of work, you know, but it, but it's, it's jarring when you walk into a press room and it's like, there's, there's 60 year old men and there's like nobody, there's no millennials, there's no Gen Zers, there's, no, there's literally nobody under yes. the age of 40. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, so it's very jarring. Absolutely. And, and especially with baseball, yeah. which everybody already thinks it's a sport to begin with, it doesn't help the image that it's like, yeah, we don't have. No, it doesn't. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. crazy. definitely That's get how, it. Like, it annoys get... me. Yeah, it annoys me when so when I see a lot of these changes happening to the game, and the fact is that. That's why there's no newer fans. And I think the average age of a baseball fan now is, I think, 57. Actually, it's a 57-year-old white man. That doesn't identify you or me at all. No, no. And we both love baseball. We love baseball. Exactly. Yeah, and and it's crazy because when I I see that people are talking about, like, they shouldn't change anything. Actually, they should change the front office because it's nothing but white people. And that's why you're not appealing to the Hispanic audiences. The only reason the Hispanic audiences are tuning in is because now there's a lot of Hispanic players, but they're still not appearing to black fan bases, except now for the player from the Chicago White Sox. What's his name? Tim something. That he's uh, starting to become a lot. Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson. Or not Tim. Is it Tim? Is it Tim yeah. Anderson? Is it, yeah, Tim, Tim Anderson. Tim, yeah. I know his name is Tim something. 
yeah, like he's becoming really popular. He's really outspoken. And yeah. we need more of that. And I feel like these kids, they're not going to have their Ken Griffey. Like, I feel like we didn't really have our Ken Griffey. So Facts. Like, yeah. Ken Griffey was in the yeah. entire generation. We can't say Curtis Johnson was. Like, he hopped from it, teams, you know? It's interesting, right? Because it's like, I think there's a lot, I feel like a lot is made of, like, oh, the lack of young fans, a lack of, you know, African-American fans in baseball. Like, I actually, mm-hmm. I think you could speak to this, too. Like, I feel like there are a lot more younger fans in baseball than I think people give it credit for. But I think they get turned off by the game. I think they get turned off by the fact that representation isn't there. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, how many black managers yeah, do you see? How many, how many black baseball players oh that God, are actually yeah. marketed and... You know what I'm saying? Like, why is it Mookie Betts on every poster in America marketing baseball? Yes. Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like so it's things like these. Like, so I feel I like there really are a lot of younger fans, but it's just like they don't they don't really talk to me. And I feel like a lot of baseball fans, and I've had this conversation with even just friends of mine and even you know, younger, younger kids, right? Mm-hmm. That are like, hey, I, I like baseball, I want to get into it, but it's like they don't. They don't really talk to me. Like I look at, I, I'm on, I'm watching TV and I see a James Harden commercial. I see a LeBron commercial. You know, even in the NFL, even in the NFL, even though it's different because the NFL is, it's not predicated on stars per se. But even the NFL, I mean, you could see, you'll, okay. you'll see a, a, you know, you'll see Deshaun Watson on a commercial. You'll see Patrick Mahomes on a commercial. You know what I mean? So you'll see these, you know, the, the marketing of the game, and it's like baseball. You don't see that. It's like inclusion is everything you know when you see people that look like you that represent where you come from like that's important and you know what i mean like i think that that that's hurt the game in a lot of ways so you bring up an excellent point with that yeah it really has hurt the game because like curtis grandison retired so we're looking forward to to what other black players can we follow can we man can we put them on that scale at one point we had ken griffey and barry bonds and then others so i feel like that MLB really needs to take a look at how they're how they're handling their fan base, and they're I think they're too worried about the ones that don't want the games to change, as opposed to changing the right ways. You know, like the front office, right. for example. Right. Absolutely. But, Absolutely. So, so someone who gets in there for the diversity and inclusion team and realizes it, that's probably not going to happen, unfortunately. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so being a woman in sports obviously is just it's it's difficult. What was what would you say is has been the hardest thing? Like what was the thing that like it it sticks out to you is like that was this is probably the hardest moment of just being not just not not and it doesn't necessarily have to be being a woman in sports, but just kind of in that in that same angle, like being a woman in sports, maybe not taking seriously or whatever. What's been the hardest part so far of your career as far as that goes? Um, I think the hardest part is learning how to speak up. And that's something that um, we were talking offline about, about this event I went to. So Bleacher Report, along with Highlight mm-hmm. Her, um, had a International Women's Day event on this past Friday. And mm-hmm. a lot of women in there said something that definitely resonated with me because, and I think that this would answer the question, is learning how to speak up and finding your voice. Because you're in this space, cool. Now make sure to take advantage of it. All right, how do you find your voice in a room full of men when sometimes you're the only woman in the room and you can't help mm-hmm. but notice that? Right. So I think that would be the hardest thing to, I think that's definitely been the hardest thing is to make sure that you're in that space. Okay, now use it to your advantage. Speak up. Don't don't just be another statistic gone mm-hmm. or not accounted for. So like I try to make sure to speak during a lot of these press conferences. And sometimes I don't because I generally don't have any questions, <laughs> but I still try <laughs> to be relevant because all you hear, all you hear is a lot of ma- male questions. And 
it, it can get exhausting at times. Have you found it hard to find mentors in the field just because it is so male dominated? Um, I want to say no, because that's funny. Cause I say speak up, but then I spoke up to the right people. <laughs> I, um, <laughs> okay. I remember when I first, when I first got an opportunity, um, the, he used to work for ESPN New York. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with Ian Bigley. Yeah, um, Ian Bagley, yeah. But mm-hmm. yes, okay, perfect. So he used to obviously used to work for ESPN. Now he's at SNY, and I met him, and and this is like the first opportunity to interview anybody from sports, and it was at this um event that Carmelo Anthony had, where he was giving away supplies for teachers. Um, and I remember I got an opportunity to talk to him, and he really gave me some really good advice, and that's something that I made sure to do is to speak up to the people that are already in the space because Mm -hmm. they might have some sort of guy for me and that would work for me. So I remember I spoke to him and I'm like, you know, what's what's a good piece of advice that you have for me? And he said, well, he's like, as cliche as it sounds, you definitely have to work hard and you'll be sacrificing nights, you'll be sacrificing events. And he didn't lie about that. Like there's been a lot of things that I've missed, like friends engagement parties, baby showers. I think I missed someone's wedding because I was working in an event. So I, at the time I was, I think I was too young to really understand. I was 25 and I said, man, like, why didn't he just give me, you know, the link so I can apply, blah, blah, blah. But that's not what it is about because he obviously paid his dues and that's why he was in space. So me mm-hmm. now looking back on it, I'm like, he wasn't wrong. He definitely have to work hard. So when people, I don't think that people understand like that it goes beyond and you have to read between the lines of what, like, how hard are you willing to work? Absolutely. And that's in anything. That's in anything. I mean, that's in yeah, any field, man. Exactly. I mean, honestly, it's in any exactly. any field. It's like when yeah. you reach, I mean, even in podcasting, I mean, it's you got to work. Like people think yeah, that it's just, it's, you know, you know, oh, your podcast is on iTunes. That mic. must be easy. And then, yeah, it's like, like, yeah, it's like, no, it's work. It's, mm-hmm. you know, trying to interview people, especially it's like scheduling. when you're interviewing people, it's like trying to find scheduling, trying to find the questions to ask, yeah. how to make the conversation move and flow faster. Pro, you know, once you, once you put this podcast out, you know, promoting it, getting people to listen to it, like it's a lot of work that people just don't, I mean, it's in any mm-hmm. field. It really is in any field. So it's, it's very important to have that, that work ethic and that passion to try to do something and do it to the fullest extent. You know, I, I absolutely agree. Um, what about, what about the women? Like, do you feel like the women are more approachable or less approachable? Is it, is it a competitive thing where it's like, you know, I don't want to help my fellow woman get on because then they're taking my spot. Like mm-hmm. explain that dynamic a little bit. Do you, have you found that to be a thing or not? Um, definitely my experience has been no, um, but I can definitely see how that could be a thing because mm-hmm. you're already competing for a space and then you see another woman come on and you're like, oh, like, is that going to happen? But I, I'm a firm believer in what's meant for you is meant for you and nobody else can take that away from you. And you have to work hard for it. And if you have to kind of make sure that your light doesn't stop shining and do it. But I also feel that what do you lose if you help somebody out? If anything, you might just gain another helpful star somewhere. So why not? I think that you shouldn't see as anybody as competition. And I didn't grow up thinking like that. Like I'm happy that my parents taught me that, you know, you're a great person and just keep working hard at it. And thankfully I haven't experienced it. And I feel like I wouldn't know how to deal with that because I don't know if I would lash out and be And like the New Yorker in me would come out and I'll be like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you about yourself real quick, <laughs> but I've never experienced that. And I feel like 
it, it, it breaks my heart when I hear that other women are like that, especially whenever I hear like, oh, women in power, oh, they're such jerks because they're up there and blah, blah, blah. But I feel like it's gotten such a bad faint, I'm, I'm sorry, bad rep because these women work so hard and I guess they have to just add to their to their power and control and oh, it just makes them look bad at, at the end of the day. But in my space, definitely no. Like if anything, my friend is the one uh, I mentioned to you earlier. I, I worked with mm-hmm. her um, in the in the group chat in minorities and sports, and we also used to work for. She also used to work for us for the Geeks and Creeps website. So that was even dope to see as well. And now we've we've still been able to have a um, a career. I'm sorry, a sports relationship, and I've met more people through her because it's like at the end of the day, it's. I know it sounds corny, but I really believe that it's if it's meant for you, it's meant for you. What's the point? I would rather know that another friend of mine and I are applying to the job, and at least I'm happy that a friend of mine got in, as opposed to Tom from Kansas. Right. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And the reason I asked that question mm-hmm. is because you do see that. You do see a lot of that. I mean, I have some friends that work in yeah. sports and, and it's and it's, you know, it's a competitive field and, you know, people and you see that in every in every field, really. You see that in every field where it's like mm-hmm. as minorities, like we're we're underrepresented, you know, even in corporate America. Yeah. So I've been in I've been in I've been in you know, in fields and in jobs where like it's me and the only other person of color. And it and it does feel like am I competing yeah. with this person? Or that, and that's the vibe that you get, you know, even just starting this podcast. Mm-hmm. I've told this story, I think, before. Well, when I first got into the podcast mm-hmm. game, like, you know, they had you had other podcasters of color, other podcasters that did kind of the similar, a similar, you know, was in the similar space. And I felt like I, I'm me. I'm naturally a competitive person anyway. So I'm always going to try oh, yeah? to be the best okay. at whatever I do. So, like, at first, I kind of felt like I had to compete with these people. So I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm going to try to be better than his show. I'm going to be better than that. And then. Like the best advice I got just doing this podcasting, you know, I got it and it was just like, yo, just do you like podcasting is about mm-hmm. just doing what you love to do. It's about expressing yourself and expressing it's your true. voice, not competing with anybody else. And the other aspect that I saw about it, too, was just like, yo, I'm hurting myself because I'm sitting here trying to compete with another person instead of collaborating with this person and us both bringing the best out in each other instead of, Oh, I'm gonna try to be better than, you know, so-and-so, you know what I mean? It just, it's, it's, it's a, it's a weird, but I think us as my, but I think us as minorities, we've been ingrained by that, by the system, because it's just like, we, we all feel like we have to compete for that little breadcrumb where we're all kind of getting, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. As opposed to, nah, we're just going to break the walls down and just do it, do the, do the damn thing ourselves. You know what I mean? So it just, it, 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 it is. So I asked that question because of that. So have you seen some of yeah. that? And that's good that you have, no, it's good a, that you have not seen that in your Yeah, experience. no, it's a good question too, to know, because like, it's true what you're saying. Like, I feel like as minorities were molded and then when we get into a space, we're like, oh, there's another, there's another Garcia in the office. Cool. Let me just, let me keep an eye out in case they try to come. Right. Like, no. Right, right, right. And that's something that we should never think about. Like, I feel like that says more about your personality than everything. And then I feel like if you go deeper, it just shows a lot of insecurity as well, that you're worried that you're not going to be the only one in the space. And I don't really think that being the only woman or minority or anything is, is an advantage. Like, you should just be in there and control your space. Facts. And if anything, you should welcome it. You should welcome. Oh, there's another one. Yeah, oh, exactly. Word. Like there's An another there's, a, yeah. there's another black man. Word. Let's do this. Like, you know what I mean? This should there's more of that. And and I look at it like if there's more people of color, I win. I'm winning. Because I'm doing something right that they're extending this out to other people. And, and you know what I mean? So like I feel like you should welcome 
more diversity and more inclusion, not less of it. You know what I mean? So definitely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So have you gotten a chance to, have you gotten a chance to interview or meet any, I know you talked about Robert Manfred, but any athletes, anybody, anybody of note, who's the, who's, who's probably been your favorite athlete that you've interviewed so far? Um, I would say, damn, that's a really good question. Um, I'm just wow. stomping you on these questions. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm a little bit. No, for real. I'm trying to think. I feel like the friend. I could probably answer it a few ways. Um, the friendliest would be, in my opinion, would be Carmelo Anthony. He is very much sweet. He's engaging. He looks at you. He's not dismissive. At least to me, he wasn't. But to other people, that's not my problem. But <laughs> um, he's been he's been really nice to me so far. Um, I think only because of what his career means to to basketball, Vince Carter, for sure. Mm. Um, um, let me see. I'm trying to think who else, and I'm and I'm sitting here. Oh, um, I think that I got a really good answer once from Eli Manning, and it was regarding when um, General Smith's dad was getting death threats when he was when he replaced him on that one game. Oh wow. Um Okay. Yeah, so Eli had Eli had a really good answer for me, which is good. And obviously he definitely said no, he doesn't agree with any of that. Um Damn, I'm trying to think who else because I feel like I've interviewed a lot of people like within boxing space, like women as well. So I feel like I'm dismissing a lot of people. But No, I get I, it. I it's it's started like to think longest, a lot. Yeah. yeah. My longest interview has definitely been with Jalen Rose. He could mm, talk. Okay. How was that? <laughs> How was that? That was, he was, oh my goodness. I think we spoke for like 30 minutes and it was such a good interview. We talked about everything. Like, yeah, we talked about everything from like Nas and Jay-Z to the, how the playoffs were boring. I think that was back in 2017, 2016 that we spoke. Um, But it was, I was actually mind blown at how much he was, he wasn't withholding. He was just very much like, any questions I had, he would regurgitate them back. And I'm just like, wow, thanks so much. Um, yeah, those are, the, those are definitely the top names that stand out to me. I mean, I've, I've interviewed a few people in the past, but damn. Anybody, me. anybody, <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't mean to. I, um, anybody that you had in a, in a, in like in a perception of like, oh, he's not going to be a great interview or like, oh, I thought he was a dick that, you know, and then you interview him and it's like a totally different perception. <laughs> Um, I would say I wasn't sure what I was going to expect from her, but, um, I got the chance to interview Simone Biles as well. Okay. And, you know, she's obviously a younger woman. I don't know if she was trained in some sort of way, you know, be careful when they ask you this. Right, right. answer this question, you know, some sort of like interviewing, training, whatever it is. And she was actually a lot of fun. And, you know, this is, I think this is fresh off there. Olympics win if I'm not mistaken I want to say obviously yes because she's a household name now but she was definitely a lot of fun to talk to and I was at first intimidated because I'm just like oh my god I just saw her like win the Olympics she was the bomb I hope she right. I hope she is ready to talk to me but yeah but <laughs> we had a lot of fun in that nice dope that's 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 awesome mm-hmm that's awesome. Any, any, what about negatively? You don't have to mention names, but negative, like any athlete that, you know, just uh, didn't really kind of come off well or, or you thought would come off well and didn't. 
Um, it's actually not an athlete, but um, no, actually, no, 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 no. I've never had that experience, which is a good thing. I've never felt like anyone has been like just one or two word answers me. Cool, because no, I try awesome. to make sure That's not cool. to. I like to be respectful and engaging and not be rude about it because, like, they're also people. I'm sure that they hate being asked questions, so I try to be mindful of that because I think especially, I think about especially how I over react. and over again. Yeah, especially over and over again. Yeah, it's like, like how did yeah, you like, lose no the paint? You know, like, what yeah, happened like, to paint? Exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No. Definitely. But good. I would definitely. say, but I would say one good interviewer that I had, who's definitely one of my favorites of all time. Um, I got the chance to interview Bill, not a science guy. <laughs> yo that's dope and, like if you're you know, a kid we're around the same age so yeah, we're not a science guys exactly. yeah yes. no, i get it so i randomly found out that he had a he had a book signing at the barnes and noble store and um at the time i was i had my own site still on these and cleats and i said you know what let me go for it so i found the number to the pr person and i reached out to them and everything and I asked, I'm like, hi, I'm the co-owner of this site, blah, blah, blah. Is it okay if I can come and talk to Bill and I about his book, about his career and everything? And I was super nervous. And then he actually gave me really good tips. He's like, don't worry. He's like, you're doing fine. He's like, you showed up. That's half the work. And I said, wow, thank you. He was very sweet. He's like, if you put the camera this way, then you could catch the entire room. He's like, and you'll catch me and my responses. And I said, wow. And he wasn't even saying it condescending. Like, he was genuinely giving me tips because you saw like how That's nervous awesome. I was. Yeah. 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 Like not being rude, like, you know, because a lot of other women might have taken it like he's trying to tell them what to do. But no, he was definitely like just giving me little tips and pointers on how to do it. That's dope, man. Like, yo, Bill not a science yeah. guy. Like, come on. Yeah, yeah, that 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 to me, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. That trumps that trumps Vince Carter, Carmelo. Like, I don't care. Right. Bill <laughs> you you made it in my book now okay. that you've interviewed. Yeah, facts. Yeah, you made it in my book. Um before <laughs> we transition you. over into our Mets, um, any mm. advice you would have to not just women, but just anybody trying to break in into yeah. sports media, sports industry. Just like I mean, you've talked about some things, obviously, kind of you know, the work ethic aspect of it, but just any advice to anybody yeah. listening to this, that's like listening to your story. And it's like, wow, that I relate to that. What, what, what can you, what's the best advice that you can give them? Honestly, the best advice I could say is you're going to work for free for a long time. And you just have to have a great support system where it, where it be a significant other, your parents, your siblings, your friends, your everything, like they have to be in your corner at all time. And I don't think that people realize that there is very little pay in this industry and people are just expecting to make 50 grand right off the bat. And that's not always the case. Like I definitely was for free. I had to work 10 jobs during the day just to support myself. And I thankfully was living at home and I was still able to save, travel and have fun. But at the end of the day, I don't think that people are really prepared to learn that, oh, wow, I'm only getting paid a certain amount per word. Yeah, some people don't get paid 10 cents per word out there. There's a good friend of mine that works at a, uh, at Hope, and I believe he's like in the in the 30 cents range. And that's like considered high up there. And then there's another friend of mine that works for Source Magazine. I don't know how much he makes, but I know it's per word space. So I don't think that people really realize how this industry works. They just want to get into it and they're expecting... 50 grand mm-hmm. off the bat and that's not the case so um and then another piece of advice is definitely research a lot um talk to the right people and don't be afraid to ask questions like i did like i made sure to ask 
journalists that are that are respected in this field and I ask them everything because I just want to make sure just to get an eye because sometimes you this might not be for you. This might be something that you could add to your experiences. Like me with music, I could say I tried it and I didn't like it. So at least don't stay with the what if thoughts. Go for it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's transition over into our Mets. Uh, yes, she is a Mets. She is a Mets fan. A a a a long suffering Mets suffering. fan, like your boy, like yours truly here. Um. So yeah. right off the bat, are okay. you are you buying or selling the hype for this year's Mets team? I'm in the middle. I'm happy that they. I just got the alert that they beat the uh, Asterix. Uh, I'm definitely not respecting Houston at all. They can, <laughs> you know what? I have nothing nice to say, so I'm not going to say anything at all because I just got a uh, okay. whole bunch of thoughts. But whatever. Okay, that's <laughs> um, another. You know, that's I'm another actually, podcast episode, right? Because you, you, you oh, we're, we're going to be because we're going to be in disagreement on that. But 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 let's 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 keep the let's keep the good yeah, vibes going I know, I know. and let's just talk about the Mets right yeah. now. Um. So it's funny because I'm sometimes conflicted on Stephen Mets. I don't really know how I feel about him yet. My the reason why I'm a Mets fan to start off with is because my older brother, he there's a seven age difference. Like he's turning forty this year, and he saw them win in '86. I wasn't born yet, so good for him, not for me. Right. And he when he would babysit us, he would park me and my brother with him next to us, and we would watch Mets games with him. So that's the reason why I'm a Mets fan. My younger brother was smarter, and he's like, nah, I'm not doing this to myself. <laughs> so he was a smarter out of the three so that's why I'm thankfully I'm, I'm sorry that's why I'm a Mets fan but to answer your question I'm not too sure how I feel I think I've just been so discouraged that I'm just so used to them losing that yeah. like the like them chasing the wild card in August was exciting for me but I'm just like we shouldn't be doing this in August we should have done this in June and then had a perspective spot like I'm tight yeah absolutely I, I'm with you. I'm kind of in the middle. I'm I'm almost not. I'm almost selling, not buying. Like I'm just kind of like eh, I don't know. It's like I don't like. I, this is the type of med fan that I am, right? I'm the person. Like if we're, I I'd rather us be under the radar than getting a lot of love because when we get a lot of love, it's like we're oh. bound to disappoint. Like I I don't feel comfortable yeah. with it. Like when we're getting a lot of hype and everybody's like, "Oh, the Mets should do this," and Degrom's going to win another Cy Young, and and Syndergaard's going to win twenty games this year, and the Mets are going to win a World Series, and yep. blah, blah, blah. like, mm-hmm. stop, 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 stop talking about it. Don't, don't, exactly. don't. You know, I'm like, build up the Phillies, build up the Braves. Don't talk about the Mets. Like, I, that's how I feel because I feel like we don't handle prosperity well. Like, we we just don't like. <laughs> we don't handle no, hype we well. We don't handle prosperity. We don't handle prosperity well. Like, I'm just like. Yeah, that's just the the sycophant Met fan in me, just the cynical Met fan in me, of course. But if if we're yes, just actually talking fact, but if we're actually talking facts, like I think we have an opportunity to be a really good team. I really do. I am I'm a little concerned because it like even for us to be a 90 plus win team and win the division, I think a lot of things have to go right. Um, a lot of ifs have to be answered. Like you mentioned, one of them, Stephen Matz. Like is Stephen Matz finally going to be the Steven Matz that I think met a lot of Met fans have kind of expected and waited for him to be just kind of take that next step. I don't think anybody ever expected him to be, you know, on DeGrom's level or even Syndergaard's level, but to kind of mm-hmm. be that, that third guy, you know what I mean? To be that, 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 
that third guy in the rotation to kind of be that that lefty, that the solid lefty that you can win 14, 15 games. Is Steven Matz going to do that? Is, you know, I mentioned him earlier, Noah Syndergaard. Is this finally the yeah, year that exactly. Noah takes that next step? You know what I mean? Is is it finally the year that Noah takes that next step and becomes the pitcher that I think you, me, all Met fans have been waiting for for the longest time? Like, is he finally going to be that guy? Is he going to be Garrett Cole to the Grom's Verlander? Like, is he going to be that guy that goes out there and wins 20 games, strikes out 250 guys? Like, all things that he's capable of doing, right? Is that the case? You know, yeah. you know what, Cesp- what Cespedes looks like? Like, what role does he does he play on this team? Like, does Pete Alonso regress? Does he have a a sophomore slump? Like, and then of course with the Mets, right? And then of course with the and then of course with the Mets injuries, right? Like injuries are always. It's like no matter what happens, like I don't know if it's Santeria or Brujeria, like I don't know what it is with the Mets, yo. Like a rabbit foot or a black clot. Like I don't know what we got to do, but it's like it has to be, yep. Cause you know I'm just I'm waiting for it, right? Like you know I'm waiting at any at any given moment. Mm-hmm. Like I'm waiting for an alert where Pete Alonso like slips on a banana peel and you know breaks his ankle <laughs> and he's out for three months. Like I'm just I'm just waiting yep. for it. Like I I just know it's bound to happen. Is it, am I wrong? Am I wrong for feeling this way? No, and I remember even when like Tim Tebow was the hype, and I'm just like, why the hell are we focusing on Tim Tebow? Can we please get him <laughs> off our damn team? I was so tight. Oh my because, god! Yes. Oh, like I, I don't even want to talk about it. But then it's it's funny because the other day I, I got an alert that he's gonna play for the World Baseball Classic. He's gonna play for the Philippines, and I said, what the hell? I, I mean, obviously I was gonna say another word, but I don't understand. But I I don't know too much about Tim Tebow. I mean, only because it's football, I know more about him on that scale. But I just said, can we get him off my team? Like that's all I want because I I feel like that was all the focus point. That was the only focal point. Whatever it is, what it is. Yeah, and then of course you got people people bashing your team. It's like, ho 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 ho. All you guys can get is Tim Tebow. Like, shut up. Like, it's yeah. I know. I know. I know. Yeah. But so you're kind of like me though. You're you're kind of cautiously yes, optimistic like uh, yeah you know it, yeah yeah so, because when i read yeah when i read articles like like five like reasons why the Mets are going to be a playoff team like how many more times are we going to do this every single march stop writing about this just say that they suck and then leave them alone and they'll <laughs> eventually make it out and it's like oh wow they're in the playoffs we didn't know who guessed nobody who we guessed who would have knew right yeah exactly right yeah no it's a surprise what else <laughs> <Sorry. Right>. exactly <laughs> Right, right, right. No, I def- they just, they just I'm, get I'm, it out of us. I feel you, bro. I feel you. Um, it's so team, like, like whenever I hear people in the space that say, "Oh, you should chill on being a fan," and for me, like, I think that's such a dumb thought because the reason why you're in the space is because you're a sports fan. So, duh, you're gonna want to root for these teams. But this is the one team who, I don't care. I'm ignorant. I will definitely. I I, I remember I stopped being friends with somebody in 2006 because he called me right after. Carlos Beltran swung. Yeah, I haven't oh. told him since. That's mad yeah. rude. No, I, go to hell. No, I, I feel you. Like <laughs> this, this shit is this is live or die. This is live or die right here. Like yo, this is real. Like that's the only time I've ever cried in a baseball game. Same. I, like I literally, I, yo, I turned the TV God. off, yo, and literally was tears coming down my eyes. Like yo, I'm like yo, just swing, swing. <laughs> it was just a fly ball like to the warning track something like no he took the strike exactly like, yeah. this is the perfect person and then he just goes down looking and then there's a photo of Donald Trump in the background too and I'm just like what the this is just not meant to what, be what, 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 else, what else can make this what else can make this moment even worse right like yeah no it's just, I know 
I know. I know. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. So uh, what did you think of the whole Mets managerial debacle? I mean, obviously, you, I know you got strong thoughts on the whole Astros thing. Um, but so did you think it was the right move? I mean, I, I, I kind of on. I, I think that I think it had to happen, obviously. Obviously, when Beltran was. Sure. Yeah. So, well, yeah. Go ahead. Tell me. Tell me what your feelings were on the whole situation and how it played out, and and what do you think the Mets should have done, could have done, and are you happy yeah. with the Luis Rojas uh, hire? Um. Well, I definitely am happy with Luis Rojas. Um. And I actually didn't know that his father is Moises. Not Moises. No, I didn't know that no, it is. I did not no, know that either. Brother. Yeah. Yeah. So I had no, I had no clue of that. So when I was googling it that day, I'm like, oh wow. So he's been in baseball for a few years. I'm just wondering why his name is not, his last name is not Alou, but whatever, that's for another story. <laughs> I'm curious <laughs> about that. Um, I'm sorry, actually, his, I think his, his dad is Felipe, his brothers are Moises. But I'm actually really happy that they kept it on Hispanic side. Um, we definitely need more black and Hispanic managers. Like, we've been talking about this. Like, I'm happy that Dusty Baker got hired, but I feel like I know, right? it, it annoys it, but it also annoys me because he's at the forefront and defending not the players when he wasn't even there for any of this. So it's, it's a tough yeah. position for a person. Like, you got to defend these players, but you also got to make sure that you hold them accountable. But whatever it is, what it and is. And you weren't there, so you're defending um, him for something that you have no knowledge of. Like, what exactly. happened? Like, I don't know. Yeah, what, what I think he's yeah, they're asking him questions. Goal, and that's not fair. Yeah, they're asking him questions like, oh, well, what is it? Like, I wasn't here, people. Like, I was playing golf last June. Like, yeah. I don't know what these men were doing. In the, you know, yeah, absolutely. I think, and I think you responded to me too when I was ranting about it on Twitter. And I think you said it the best. So, like, Dusty Baker is the perfect person who can handle these questions because he is the type who will tell somebody off. Like, he doesn't stay quiet. And that's what I've always loved about him that he's very much an outspoken manager, which is something that we need more of. And if anything, like, he doesn't have to curse you out or anything, but at least we need someone who speaks up. So, I think he's the perfect person to be in that, in that position. But, um, it's funny because I hear both angles from it. Like if I was Carlos Beltran, I wouldn't have stepped down. But as the investigation progressed, as people started talking more, to learn that he was like person number two, like co-captain, founder of this camera banging trash thing scandal, I think that it was probably for the best for him to step down. I think he was a great person for the position as a whole because he has really good baseball knowledge. Um, obviously, he also played for, I think he also played for Team Puerto Rico in the World Baseball Classic at one point. Yeah. And and I think that he, it's unfortunate, but I don't think he's ever going to get a job in baseball ever again. Um, and the same goes for, what's his face? Um, the former Red Sox manager, I forget his name now. Cora, Alex Cora. But yeah, Cora. Yeah, thank you. I think that both of them are probably not ever going to end up working again in baseball. And if they do, it'll probably be another 15 years down the line when they're much older. And this is probably has quote unquote died down. But had he remained the Mets skipper, he would have just been getting questions daily about this. And it's something that I don't think he was ready to deal with or didn't want to deal with as well. Yeah, I agree with you. I, th- I think it was. I, I See, I actually think it was for the best. I, I, I actually think. See, I, yeah. I, 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 I think the Mets look, it's easy to criticize the Mets because it's like the Mets are just everybody's favorite punching bag, even in the media. Like everybody's criticizing. Yeah, I mean, the Mets, mm-hmm. the Mets are never, the Mets are never in a no, they're always in a no win situation. It's like if they do the right thing, well, they should have did the right thing faster. And if they don't do the right thing, oh, it's typical Mets. It's like nothing they do is ever positive when it comes to the media. It's, it feels like sometimes. So, but I think they actually did this the right way. I think that, you know, look. 
it, it was going to become a controversy. And then, of course, you're going to come into spring training. Carlos Beltran is going to be there. You know, everybody's going to be asking questions about this. It's going to be it, it, it was going to hold a black cloud over the franchise. So you're better off just kind of ridding yourself mm-hmm. of it and being done with it. I do disagree with you, though. I, I do. I don't know about Beltran. I'm, I'm kind of in the middle with Beltran because I, I I could see him not getting a job in baseball ever again. But I, mm-hmm. I still think it's Carlos Beltran. I think this will doubt, die down in a few years. I think in about two to three years, this yeah. will die down. I think it'll die. Down. I think people. I think yeah. Okay. I, I do. I do. I don't th- I, like. I think people will be outraged in the moment, and then I think eventually people will just be like, okay, like, like, because like, remember, like Spygate, that whole situation with Spygate went down in the NFL, and I know it's a different. It's, it's a different yeah, thing. That's I get true. it, but it's like, look at the, the Patriots assistants no, have all gotten spying. jobs since then. It's like you know, what I mean, it's like, like people are outraged in the moment, and then like two or three years later, people like I think Cora will true. definitely get another job eventually. Like I can see him even getting another job next year. Like I, I really do see Cora getting another job. Really, he's too good. He's too good okay. of he's too good of a manager. He's won a World Series. Um, I, I think I think I. I, well, I will say this. I think he'll come back as a bench coach first. Like, I don't think he'll get another job ah, right away. Okay. Like, I think he can come back as like a bench coach, you know, something like that. You know, maybe as a, you know, somebody, a front office role, maybe just to kind of, kind of mm-hmm. like welcome him back in slowly. And then I think eventually he'll be a job. I think the same thing for AJ Hinch. Um, for Beltran, is a little different because he doesn't have that managerial experience. So I could kind of see him not getting a job, but I think eventually somebody will reach out to him. I mean, he's still Carlos Beltran. He's he's probably still going to make the Hall yeah. of Fame. So I think I think eventually you'll see him back in baseball in some capacity. Maybe not maybe not as a manager, but I think you'll see him some in in, in some. I think with Beltran actually is going to be longer just because he was a player. He was more involved, you know. You know, he was the mastermind in a lot of in a lot of regards behind it. So I think with Beltran, I think they'll probably make yeah. him pay a little bit longer. So I think I think with Beltran, you could see him maybe three, four, five years, um, and then probably somebody mm-hmm. bring him in as a coach or something like that. But yeah, no, it's interesting. I, I just wanted to get your thought gotcha. on, on the whole Mets managerial thing because it was interesting. I, like I and I've and I've actually talked to people that that are actually like, nah, the Mets should have stuck to their guns. They should have kept them on the job. And I'm like, nah, that was going to be a disaster. Yeah. Well, it's going to be a disaster because every hear, question, oh, ahead, yeah. every question coming out of Finchane is going to be, you know, well, what did you know? What did you do? Is that, are you going to cheat with the Mets? Is this, It's just going to be, and they're going to ask Peter Alonzo about it. They're going to ask the Mets players about it. It's like, why put yourself through that if you don't have to? You know what I mean? It's true. Uh, All right, I hear so, that conversation. I'm sorry. I hear that. I hear that. Um, that thought as well, like, you know, I wouldn't have stepped down. I would have just faced it and that's it and made it the best of it. But I don't know. I agree with you. Like, I think it was for the best. It sucks it's that easy. he didn't really get a chance. And it's easy for people that are not in that situation to say that. Like, yeah, it's not your team. It's not your franchise. Like, if you think about it, you know, I know it's it's sacrilegious to say anything defensive of, of the Wilpons. I get it. I, I hate them, too. But think mm-hmm. about it. If you're Fred Wilpon, like, that's not fair to me. Like, <laughs> my franchise wasn't involved in this shit. Like, why do I have to sit here now? And now my players got to answer questions about it. My GM has to answer questions about it. Now I got to talk about it. Like, well, yeah. it's, it's Yeah, every day. That's the only yeah, thing that would come up. For, exactly. Yeah, exactly. For, yeah, OD for, for the entire spring training like they wouldn't even ask you any questions about the 2020 team it was just like uh oh, okay so the trash can uh you know well, we went into the locker room and there was a trash can missing have you seen it carlos like, uh, like seriously like this is this is this is what we're doing mm-hmm. like it's just it would have been dumb so i i, I get why they just kind of made the move so yeah i'm, I'm definitely with you yeah exactly um so you know i gotta get a prediction out of you right 
before we go. Like I gotta get a prediction out of you. <laughs> okay. Like it's an ironclad prediction. <laughs> like I gotta I gotta write it down on my piece of paper right here, and this is what we're going with. So and we'll Eric, come back and Eric, visit. It. Yep. Yeah, we can come back. We can come back. We can come back and, visit and revisit it. Of course, you know, we be humans. Sometimes we make mistakes. You know, sometimes yeah. we get it right on the nose. So it happens. Um, so Erica Fernandez's official 2020 Mets season prediction is: What's the record? What you going with? You know, the record I'm still conflicted on. I'm not too sure yet. Um, but guns to your head. Guns to your head. Give me a. Give me a. Give me a record. Guns to your head. Oh. I don't, damn it. I think they'll win at least, at least 60 games this year. At least 60. I think they'll win at least 60 games. I'll keep it there. So, I, I, oh, at least. Oh, okay, thank you. I, I mean, I, I hope they win 60 games. Shit. If, if they don't win yeah. 60 games, then this year was a complete disaster. I know. I mean, they still piss me off or whatever. But there's a lot of projections <laughs> that think of them really high. So I'm not really, I, I'm just a pessimist when it comes to this damn team. But yeah, I think there was 60 games. <laughs> <laughs> you do realize that winning 60 games is still like absolutely horrible, right? I mean, it just. <laughs> I know. Yep. It is. So, I don't know. So I'm such a pessimist. So basically, so basically yeah. they'll, they'll sign they their names suck. on the test paper. They'll, they'll sign their name on the test paper, right? That's the, that's the only thing they'll get credit for. Exactly. They won't answer any questions right. They'll just yeah. sign their name and they'll be. Okay. Got it. Yeah. I'm, see, I'm ABC, not that pessimistic. They'll probably have a few seeds. <laughs> okay, I, I'm not that pessimistic about it. I think, All I right. think I, this is just uh, this isn't my official prediction. I'll I'll wait till closer to our opening day where I have my official prediction. That's what I usually I, do. Yeah, I will say I will say this. Uh, I think at the very least we will win 80 games. How about that? Oh, okay, so 20 more than me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm. Listen, if we're anywhere close to your prediction, like yeah, I think I will literally, like I will become an alcoholic. Like yeah. you'll you'll see me drunk tweeting from basically um, May onward. You'll see me drunk tweeting every night. So mm-hmm. if, if, if it's sixty games, but yeah, absolutely. So sixty. Yeah. I think right, they win so- at least sixty. That'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> Eighty would be even better. <laughs> right yeah okay well we're we're gonna go with that yeah. i i we're gonna we're gonna go with that prediction we're gonna go with 60 games we're we're listen <laughs> fans we're praying we're praying that it's not eric's prediction we're, we're we're hopefully it's 90 but you know it, it is neither the mess, am so i we'll, we'll see, we'll <laughs> it see. Is the mess. Uh, right um erica this has been amazing I've had such a blast talking Thank to you. Thank you so much for having um, me on, Manny. Appreciate it. Of course. Before we get up out of here, please plug your social media, where people can find you, where they can engage with you. Yeah. Um, sell yourself. Go ahead. <laughs> well, everyone can find me on Clothes and Sports. Spell normally, nothing crazy, no Z's. Straightforward. And in April, I will be launching a podcast soon, which I'm going to stick with my name just um everyone's perspective they're like that's how you've been known keep it the same so the podcast will also be called curls and sports but just got to make sure that people know it's not about hair <laughs> this is just sports <laughs> and entertainment <laughs> i mean what's wrong with a hair podcast like, i mean you know it's a podcast about everything so what is Mm-hmm. It's true. Like, talk about it. Put it in the description so that, people know what it could, is. That's that could it. lead to some interesting conversations. Curls. You doing your curls while you talking baseball? Like, that could be an interesting podcast. Exactly right. Sure. This is true. But curls and sports at curls and sports. 
Um, yeah, make sure you go follow on her. Twitter, go. Instagram, yep. And All the podcast that, go follow her. Soon. Podcast coming soon. I'm sure we'll have her back on to talk about that. Um, Erica, yeah, thank you for, thank thank you for you, being my you. guest this week. It's been a, it's been a blast. Um, like I said in the beginning, of course, of course. Like I said at the beginning, make sure you follow and subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, yes, Instagram, please. all make that Make sure to do stuff. that. Yes. Shout out to everybody in NYC. Um, once again, thank you for Erica for being my guest this week on the podcast. Uh, I'm going to get up out of here. Enjoy my Sunday afternoon. This podcast will be up uh, sometime tonight. We'll see if I get lazy or not, but it'll definitely be up today. Um, as always thank you as always thank you guys for listening and subscribing to the show and and uh supporting the yes, show as always make sure to subscribe please absolutely absolutely thank you um and get out of here be sure to be back next week with another episode of the podcast we are out of here peace Serious.